All right, welcome back everybody to Healthier Vibrations where we explore multidimensional health and aspects of well-being. Today we have back a guest speaker, Craig Williams. Thank you for coming on, Craig. It's an honor to be back. Thank you so much for having me. So if you didn't catch the last podcast that we had Craig on for, it was called Transformation Through Gnosticism or Ayurvedic Gnostic Transformation. So if you haven't had a chance to watch that podcast, go back, take a look at that. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I want to take a moment to formally introduce Craig again today. So Craig Williams is also known as Indra Ramdas Aghori. He has his bachelor's degree in religious studies with a focus on Eastern religions, a master's degree in Oriental medicine. He's a certified East-West herbalist, member of the American Herbalist Guild. Craig is also trained in Ayurveda, Yoga, Joytish, Vedanta, and Tantra. He's studied under David Frawley, as well as the American Institute of Vedic Studies. Craig has been awarded the titles Veda, Kovig, Yogacharya, and is certified by the Academy of Traditional Ayurveda. Craig is also an ordained bishop with the Ecclesia Gnostica Nigra and a certified health coach, running coach, holistic and fitness nutritionist, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. If you haven't had a chance, you want to check out his books. The first one, or there's three of them right now, Entering the Desert, Cult of Golgotha, as well as Cave of the Numinous. And there's a new one coming out, so keep your eyes open. But today I wanted to discuss a subject that came up in one of my readings of his book, Cult of Golgotha. So thank you again. Before I go into reading that passage, um, thank you, Craig, for coming on and taking your time. Yeah, it's always an honor. Thanks so much for it. You always ask such interesting questions. So if you haven't had a chance, like I said, this is an excellent book. And I want to take a moment to read to you today the passage that I have questions on and that Craig will be discussing with us. So this section is on page 38 and it's called Systems of Control. When I read this, I was like, oh, must read four or five minutes over. Good. It says, the concept of systems of control and their role in limiting the expansion of human consciousness is fundamental to the investigations and revelations found in the Golgotha current. There exist distinct control mechanisms in place on both the exoteric and esoteric levels of reality, which obscure pathways to self-transformation and self-realization. Aromatic and Asuric in nature, these systems of control are insidious, parasitic, self-perpetrating, existing in a virus-like level of awareness. The important work of Rudolf Steiner has extensively explored this concept and its implications, and this influence runs deep within the Golgotha current. What most individuals consider reality is in most cases a tightly controlled and manufactured mirage. These surreptitious systems of control 
exist in obvious exoteric paradigms such as governments, educational systems, organized religions, as well as in consensual constructs of social awareness, which are steadily reinforced by the respective exoteric control paradigms. The system of control, excuse me, the systems of control, which are ultimately the most dangerous, function on a subtle esoteric level, inhibiting the expansion of human consciousness and clouding the mental atmospheres. These subtle control structures are often hibernating within seemingly harmless systems of spiritual expression and are activated by an unbalanced egoic state of perception or by an individual who exists in a state of disharmony on a mental or physical level. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. <laughs> I remember I read that the first time and then I went back and read it multiple times. <clears throat> I read it out loud to somebody here at the house and I thought, you know what? I want to dig deeper in that. So sure. thank you for coming on today and taking the time to go over some of this for us. So the first thing I wanted to see is if you can unpack some of the concepts. So sure. um, if people aren't familiar with some of these constructs, can you first explain the difference to the listeners, the difference between exoteric and esoteric paradigms? That way they, they know what we're talking about. To sure, with. sure. On a, on a fundamental level, when we speak of exoteric paradigms of of control, particularly if we're talking about that passage and systems of control, then it would be related to such things as um, educational systems um, and also social systems. So it would bring in aspects of sociology for sure, but it would also bring in uh, government systems. So it would be like political beliefs. And then you could also have religious structures too, because religion inherently has both an exoteric and an esoteric level as well. And most people hover in the exoteric level of religions. You know, most people actually don't really dive very deep, um, particularly in contemporary times, if anyone even has a spiritual practice. Usually they'll use like that nebulous phrase, um, I'm spiritual, not religious. Uh, and that's a common thing. So, so there's these exoteric systems, which basically, if for someone who doesn't understand that, would be the systems of rules, systems of morals, systems of uh, politically correct, something which is considered politically correct. That's a control mechanism. For example, that's a, you know, we can see that now. Um, you, you're told what you're allowed to think. You're told what you're allowed to believe. You're, you're given what, what is acceptable modes of behavior. Um, and that functions on an exoteric level. Now, some of that's very important. You know, for example, we have laws that protect people and laws that protect children and animals, the people that are less um, able to defend themselves. So those are very functional. They're not bad in and of itself. Um, but sometimes my whole, the whole point of that quote was that many times they limit the expansion of human awareness and human consciousness. And that is where the systems of control become can become very dangerous. On an esoteric level, that is more in the actual 
what we call spiritual teachings that might be in some of these systems, for example. And then on an esoteric level on the government, that's where we would go into some of the ideas of egregores, um, unconscious beliefs, um, and almost some, some types of, we, we almost could refer to that as the zeitgeist, some kind of spirit of the age, which is in influencing things. Uh, Mark Stavish's work and his book on egregores is very important on that. We can talk about that a little bit today as well um, and how his work contributes to that. Him and I work very closely with that material. So there's different ways that our society is controlling consciousness. That was one of the big parts of the Golgotha book was to start to show how consciousness can be very limited. And hopefully, you know, if someone is participating in any kind of spiritual path, that path is to expose how they're controlled and then also give them tools to break free and have more independence and spiritual creativity. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. And that'll be helpful before we go farther into some of this. So in the passage that I read, there was information in there about the exoteric control systems, like government, educational systems, and organized. And can you explain more to people how, you know, you said they're helpful, definitely. Yes, yes. They're guidelines, they're structures. Um, kind of like climbing up a ladder, you need some support, but how they can play a role in limiting and controlling people's self-realization. Yeah, that's a big, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, because people will really defend these systems tooth and nail because they have been very instrumental and helpful, but at the same time, that limits them to be able to realize the controlling mechanism set in there too. Yeah, I think two two areas that can be really helpful for people to kind of wrap their minds around this would be the medical system and the educational systems, both of which are extremely important in our society. Um, for example, we can start, we can quickly look at a medical system. The the overall structure of our the evolution of medicine in the world um, has been is a fascinating history and obviously it's a huge part of the survival of the species. And so we have great, great things which have happened. But also, um, as those system, as that system has grown, it can also start to become very limiting as well too, which we see now. We, you know, we've saved a lot of lives. We've transformed the world in many ways. But in many ways, we're still sicker than ever. Now we have more chronic disease than in any time in the world. Um, and then also too, the medical system starts to become very myopic and sees everyone as a number, it sees everyone as the same. Um, so it's very hard to get individualized medical care now. Um, and, and that's why the, the leading part of our medical system is crisis care, like trauma, you know, emergency medicine, because that's one area where we all pretty much are the same. <laughs> when, when, our, when our leg is broken off, or our hands cut off, almost always our hands are going to, all of us have the same needs at that point. <laughs> and that's the beauty. That's why that medicine's amazing. But as we go deeper into more nuanced structures of the body, um, everyone's unique in that way. And so that's where it's, that can be limiting. Then if they, if the system of medicine refuses to see that every person is unique, then our medical system becomes limiting. Or when that medical system starts to impose laws and says, everyone has to do the following things or they can't go to school 
that's where it can become limiting. So that's just one basic level. And then we can look at like an educational system. It's very important for us to have educational structures to teach people how to read, how to write. Um, however, um, who's funding the educational systems? Who's writing the curriculums? Um, what are the goals behind those curriculums? Um, and we, we're seeing that rumbling happening right now with the explosion of homeschooling, right? We, a lot of people are starting to see, well, maybe I don't want to send my children to this certain thought construct. I want a little bit more freedom where they can be treated individually and, and not just be a number in the system or told what to think. I want to teach them how to think. So the systems of, of control are, are evolving. It's just a natural part of the evolution of humanity. Um, but inherent in that is manipulation. Uh, and some, you know, it's like politics. Of course, we need a government to run things, but then it becomes corrupt. Uh, and, and who's controlling it and who's funding it. And that's when um, things can start to become limiting. And that's why I often use the term insidious or parasitic because it's functioning at a level where a lot of people don't even see. They don't even notice it. Uh, and so then these things happen before our eyes um, and then slowly changes can happen. And then it's very fascinating to me to see you know, who sees these little uh, canary in the cold mine signs, who doesn't, who's worried about what, who's not. Uh, and then also, too, another great example is uh, the media. You know, it's a, media is essentially a communication device. And we, and we need communication. Communication is amazing. We're at, you and I are able to talk right now over this amazing system of technology and discuss this. Um, but then we also know well, who owns most of the communication systems? You know, who is, who is controlling the systems of communication? Who, the only certain things can be allowed to be said over the news now. You know, is there really any independent media anymore? Uh, less and less. So all these things, are, you know, you, we can see that all these structures have a very important exoteric function, but on an esoteric level, they can easily be manipulated. And then typically the whole point of all the manipulations is to control consciousness. It's to manipulate a certain way of thinking. I mean, that's also, too, a very, a very mundane example is the new concerns over Google algorithms. And, and, you know, we see that many of the ideas were released and they had secret meetings that were shown that said that Google had certain algorithms that to, they wanted to put in place to influence how people voted. And so that, and that's, very, that's very creepy, you know, and, and most people aren't even aware of that, that they're, they're just mentally being manipulated to every level. And that's essentially what yoga is, right? Yoga is to decondition our mind. Yoga is to break our mind free of these limitations. And our fundamental limitation could be our ego. And so we're all on a journey of that, right? We're all on a journey of breaking free of that. But the society at large is also manipulating that as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people have a hard time recognizing some of these systems of control, actually. Definitely, yes. And they, they have a difficult time, even when they're exploring things like yoga to, you know, liberate their minds, they're still working off of a subjective synthesis of yes. these ideas that <clears throat> this is the way it's supposed to be. And it's difficult for them to consider that they've been living in a box about this size yes yes 
on it and what would happen if that box got smashed and they looked outside the other side of the box. Right. And it, it's a little too frightening for people to completely radically change their way of thinking by looking at the way that they've been controlled, even down to simple things. I was talking to my daughter the other day and she said, oh mom, there was a huge line around, I don't know, some chicken place. I don't watch TV, so I'm not influenced by TV. And she said that people were lined up all the way around the block just for a particular type of chicken sandwich. And I said, yes, an excellent system of control and influence. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, the whole food, uh, our agro industry, the food system is totally manipulated as well to what we're told to eat, what we're allowed to eat. Um, and then you have weird you know, belief systems. And that's, that's a great example. It's, it's like people lining up for the new iPhone. You know, yeah. the, way, the way Day's obsessed about this certain technology, the way they'll stand in line for a chicken sandwich, but then they, they claim they don't have enough time to read. You know, it's, it's very sad, but that, that's a good example of something like that's very simple that we can see. And, and you're right, most people don't see these structures. One reason, because they're, they're hidden. They're, they can be hit, hidden in plain sight, or they're hidden in ways that um, seem important and safe. And then the second reason is most people really prefer a status quo. Yeah. Most people want something predictable and easy and safe. Um, and that's understandable. I, I understand that, you know, but oftentimes that's the, when whatever seems so safe and predictable and status quo is usually in most cases, some type of control structure. Yeah. And, and I think that people are just raised with familiarity. Yes. You know, it's normal, quote unquote, for people to wake up, turn on the TV, listen to the news, listen to the most recent commercials, etc. Yes. They're just inundated with it and they don't question what it would be like if they didn't have just that simple influence of, let's just say radio and TV. Yes. And yes. how old until I was 12, we didn't watch TV. And for about the last 15 years, I haven't had a television set. So I'm absent of that influence. And I don't think that people understand just how much they are influenced in their thinking by something so simple. And then take in their education system, take in their governmental system. Yep. And then it's just too much for them. So they go back to the normal and the comfortable. You, you, that's absolutely correct. And, and the, the whole idea of social constructs is, is very powerful because that typically how you're raised will determine how you think. Yeah. So, you know, that's the important thing. If you, what you're exposed to as a child will end up being many of the limiting beliefs you have as, as an adult. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky thing it's, uh, to see these things. And, and the, the, there's not necessarily an answer on how to solve all this, but the discussion is the important point. The idea of just discussing it to at least to start to see that it's there. Um, and then also, too, to reinforce the idea that, that, for example, yoga is about breaking free of these structures, without a doubt. Absolutely. So I also had taken some other notes, and I had um, wanted to get a little bit more discussion and elaboration on esoteric paradigms and control structures. Mm -hmm. um, it's, especially... The, the statement that I read, the harmless system of spiritual expression, 
and the, the activation by an unbalanced egoic state of perception or an individual who exists in a state of disharmony on a mental or physical level. And yeah. I thought, okay, okay, I, I want to tease that out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. That's an interesting thing. And um, that, that, that brings in the idea of the, the health of the individual physically and the health of the individual psychologically is a foundation of the potential of their spiritual development. And so if someone is physically unhealthy and mentally, I don't want to say unstable, because we're talking about this, like, for example, from a gunic perspective. I'm not necessarily talking about it from a psychological diagnosis, you know. But the idea is that if someone is already unhappy, confused, um, anxiety-ridden, and then dives into spiritual practices, um, oftentimes things can get muddy and messy very quickly. Uh, and that's the whole fundamental reason why all these traditional systems place such importance on the tradition and the teacher it was because the tradition and the teacher were some type of control mechanisms, right? They were some type of balanced control mechanisms to try to guide the student through their development. And we can see how those can become bad, right? We can see how some teachers or gurus can manipulate people while others liberate people. That's another good example, you know, so that's not necessarily good or bad inherent in that. But the point being is that if someone has a spiritual practice, and I think particularly if we're talking about more occult practices and more esoteric practices, and they have an unbalanced state of mind, then things can get very destructive very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we see that now. I mean, that's the reason why a lot of these occult systems were occult. <laughs> they were supposed to be hidden. These things were not supposed to necessarily be public, many of these teachings and ideas. And so much now is just dumped into the the whole culture now, and people are exposed to a lot of things now, which they're probably not mentally ready. They're not psychically ready. Um, And Mark Stavish, his work is very important for that, discussing that, what happens with these egregores, how they influence us. And, you know, a fundamental level is you can define it by this idea of association, it's a, whoever you associate with, that's essentially who you become. Mm-hmm. And like so that's my friends. Yes, right. It's like, you know, that's, that's the old adage, you know, show me five people that you're best friends and that'll tell me who you are. There's some kind of little variance of that. But that's, you know, what systems we associate with, they really influence us. They, they start to leave traces on us, both on a psychic level, on a, on a spiritual level, on a pranic level. And so we have to be very selective about that um, and think about that. And that's why I wrote Entering the Desert. That's why in the Cult of Bogotha, these ideas about examining the, the mirages, examining these illusions, um, being aware of how we're being manipulated, being aware of how we can cultivate independence, when we need a teacher, when we need to break free, all these things. And that's also, I guess, essentially about critical thinking. You know, and, and along those same lines, you know, the person who is more imbalanced, whether it be on a gunic level <clears throat> or a physical level, it's interesting because when you look at the relationship of those controlling mechanisms and you look at the relationship of their overall health, or even you bring in the concept of aggregores, the thing that I don't think people understand enough of is when you are not healthy on all levels, you are more easily manipulated. Absolutely. 100%. And that, that to me 
is one of the most fundamental messages of my overall body of work is that, and I essentially see that as the, one of the fundamental goals of Ayurveda is that if you can teach someone in, about their health and their vitality and maximize their ability to be physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy, then they at least have a chance <laughs> at that point. You know, that's, that's what we can hope for. Yeah. You know, when I talk about um, this subject, or as we put it today, the insidious systems of control, I see a lot of people are like, oh, fight the system, you know. Yes, 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 yes. The Vrajasic, um, it's like they add to the conflict. And, you know, people will say, well, how come you're not more vocal about changing the systems? And that's why I always say, and that's why I love this passage from the book is, Work on yourself first. It's Break fundamental. It's first. absolutely fundamental. That's the most fundamental thing that has to be done is the personal, the spiritual revolution and the mental revolution has to come before you get any social revolutions. And social revolutions without spiritual revolutions internally become, become very dangerous. They basically just become mass zombie type reactions. You know, a good, a great example that we could touch on real quickly today is climate change, right? We, I think today is a special day for climate change and that everyone's supposed to march in the streets. Well, don't you, it's very interesting now if anyone challenges the idea of climate change, people go crazy. Yeah. You know, now, now you're told you can only believe this one tract about climate change and anyone who questions that is now instantly demonic or dangerous or whatever the bad guy is of that day. So, many of these people are marching and they're controlled by a belief system. They believe something that they've been told that this is true. And then that's the only way, as opposed to saying like, well, let's examine all sides here that's going on. So we can see that's another perfect example of a system of control and, and who's making the money off alternative technologies for climate change. Look at, you know, no one follow the money and look at that and see and then so those are all once again so it's a good example but fundamentally there needs to be a, a spiritual change uh, and fundamentally there that ha that has to start that has to be the seed yeah yeah agreed um so i wanted to see if you can elaborate a little bit more on the um aromatic and osoric in nature systems mm -hmm. that are insidious and parasitic yeah, the, I use the term Ariman and Ashurik. Um, Ariman comes from the teachings of Rudolf Steiner. And Arimanic was this a type of demonic influence which was seeping into society, which essentially sought to mecha overly mechanize and overly homogenize consciousness. And so what that is, the Arimanic influence tends to push things toward um, only science, nothing else but science, which would be perfect, you know, with this yard signs is only science is real. That's a very wonderful, very insidious aramonic idea. Um, also, fundamentalism is an aramonic influence and in saying there's only one way to believe in something. Um, so that becomes very dangerous. Of course, we see that the dangers of fundamentalism and religion. That's a very aramonic influence. It's like it's almost this type of consciousness which is seeking to manipulate humanity to become very mechanical and very cold and very clinical 
and leave out any individualism, number one. That's essentially some of the ideas of Aramonic. Asuric is a Sanskrit term which just means kind of darkness and cloudiness and clouds us as a very Tamasic influence, uh, which is a, a type of Maya and prevents us from being able to think critically and it tends to turn us very selfish, very ego-based. And so both the, those terms are very interchangeable. Um, but I would encourage people to, to look at the, the, the life's work of Rudolf Steiner. And he has some very important teachings about um, the manipulation of humanity um, and how that affects us. But particularly just turning our thoughts into homogenized and mechanized and standardized and not leaving any room for individuality is very dangerous. Yeah, and, and I think that we live in a society oftentimes, depending on what circles you're hanging out with, that yes. you bring up new ideas, if you bring up new streams of consciousness, or if, if you even just start doing something different. For instance, I've been drawing a lot more lately, just something yes. so simple as drawing, and people are like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, why is it considered unusual, and why would it alarm somebody so it's like the second you step out of that line of sheep yes 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 head up and you're a little bit on the abnormal or new or different stage of development immediately people want to pull you back hone you down and say no 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 don't do that because different is oftentimes considered dangerous absolutely yeah different difference can be seen as demonic difference can be seen as dangerous and, uh, and difference should be encouraged, uh, and there should be a certain type of innate creativity we all have to express ourselves. And sure, there might be some fundamental structures which we all agree upon. Um, for example, we could say within a system of, of philosophy, everybody might have a certain kind of belief structure that they have found a foundation of, but within that, there's individual expressions of that uh, all the time. And that's, and that's what we need. And the, and the more we lose that in the world, then the more we get a creepy transhumanist mechanized technology worship, which we have right now, um, wow. which is a, that's a very a big concern to me. And we need to save these. And, and that's, once again, that's another insidious control structures. You can even see that within spiritual groups that proclaim a revolutionary idea. But once you get in the spiritual group, you're instantly told what to believe, what you can think, who you can hang out with, and you can never challenge anything. And this is it. That's the most hilarious thing to me about many occult groups is they'll claim to be so mystical and magical and they want you to join. But when you join, you're handed a manifesto of what you're told to believe, which is just as strict as a, as a Baptist church or a fundamentalist Islamic. And anyone who deviates from that is dangerous or radical or, you know, whatever they are, whatever the word insult is of the day, you know. And then I even see it filtering down into, you know, my daughter's almost 18 mm. and told what time to show up, how to do it, how to write it. Oh, and yes, absolutely. Art. Like there's very little art in school anymore. Music is, you know, um, less freedom oriented. Yep. Yep. You must meld into the marching band. And yes, yes. I've seen at the age of 17 now, I'm like, where's your individuality? It's where, so key. where is your courage to completely jump out of your own box and create something new that indicates who you are? And you can see all the different layers of control 
And I think that that's one of the biggest things is people don't know how to step out of those boxes. I agree. Yeah, it's a big, and that's a good example of her having a child. I mean, it's a big responsibility for a parent to be able to educate their child, but also encourage that child to think outside of the box because a lot of people are, they want them to be successful and that means staying inside of the box. <laughs> right. And that's a different thing. So, and, um, but, but that's where we, that's where the challenges come in. But I think it's very important for us to, to always look at this and see what boxes are we in and how can we maybe push that a little bit to grow? Cause growth comes through those challenges. That's all spiritual growth and all personal growth typically comes by breaking into new areas. And so having people that inspire you and having mentors that can help you see these systems of control and help and help inspire you to get out of them in a balanced way um, is, is, is extremely important. And what would you recommend for listeners if, you know, maybe if they're just kind of beginners at yoga or beginners at meditation, what type of different things would you recommend for people to start opening up and expanding beyond their comfort level or out of these systems of control? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, hopefully what I always fundamentally tell people to do is, is to connect to some kind of tradition that they feel called to. Um, but that also presupposes that they have a spiritual calling. Some people don't have that. So, so I think on this, I would answer this question without being able to say direct someone to a certain spiritual tradition is that people, number one, just need to start reading more. They need to watch TV less and they need to read more and they need to actively seek to read outside of their comfort zones, but also outside of their social bubbles. They should always seek to read things from other opinions, other ideas. Um, that's a very fundamental thing which people don't do anymore. They only want to read. They want confirmation bias, essentially. They want to read only things that confirm what they believe. But we should always seek to read, to learn, and at least to challenge ourselves with other ideas. And maybe we read the other idea and it doesn't change us, but maybe one part of it stimulates us. But I think so. that, is, that are two things that I think people need to do is they need to read more and they also need to start looking at different areas and not stay in their own belief systems, at least for, ed for an educational reason. And I think you can use the metaphor of traveling, right? Everyone travel, get out and see things. Sure, you're probably, you'll come home to your regular home, but usually you come home changed. Not always, but sometimes. So I just think that's the biggest thing for people to do. Um, outside of that, if they feel called to a certain spiritual tradition, then I always encourage them to continue to educate themselves in that spiritual tradition, find a teacher, find a mentor. But even before that, there needs to be more reading and more education outside of the standard. Because I see that in, in particularly, for example, I live in Austin, Texas, which is uh, a very, you know, place that, which claims to be so radically different and so radically unique, but they live in a bubble. It's a very, it's a, it's a bubble of a fantasy land in many ways. And, and they're always shocked when they see things happen on a national level because they're just not reading about it. Uh, and it's not shocking if you just read and th there's this radical idea that others think differently than you. <laughs> and that's a good thing. So I, it's very good for us to see what other people think and especially to read and educate ourselves on the ideas that we don't necessarily agree with or we don't understand usually those are the ideas that we need to study the most 
And so that's typically what I encourage people to do with that. Yeah, you had once said something, uh, I'll probably misquote it, but you were basically saying that those things that you fear or those things that, um, I'll use the term, alarm you, put them out mm -hmm. in the open, look at them. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, we should examine what, what we're scared of, what we're afraid of. We should we should radically confront that. And then, for, and then on a spiritual level, that depends on one's adhikara, their, apt, their aptitude, their readiness to learn. But on a fundamental level, we have to radically confront that and, and to see um, what, 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 are you, what are we afraid of? And is that holding us back or is that protecting us? And we need to find out which one of that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, after this discussion, I, I agree that one of the most important things is first recognizing that there yes. are these systems of control. Yes. And then identifying what systems of control manipulate your thinking, or we should say influence your thinking. It'll be yes. the obvious thing that a lot of people don't understand how influenced they are even by the television or the radio commercials. Yes. And really, you know, quote unquote, step out of that box. Like this year, I did a lot of reading of um, even books like Aleister Crawley and my family was like, oh my gosh, why are you reading that? And I right. said, why don't you read it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's so very important. Articulate why you're afraid of it. And so, if you're so afraid of it that you never read it, you don't even know what you're afraid of. Yeah, it's very, it's very strange. Yeah, so, it's it, and it's very limiting. So people really need to start doing that. They need to start looking at different viewpoints, different ideas, uh, examining people that think differently than them examining different belief systems and even a basic example let's just say someone was going to watch television let's say they were going to watch the news then a good example would be they need to watch five different versions of the news if you only watch the news from let's say cnbc well of course you're going to get a leftist stance if you only watch news on fox then you're only going to get a right stance and so then then already you're already told what to think. And so, you know, that's a big thing. People need to start reading other news sources if that's what they want. If they are news junkies, then they need to get outside of, and they need to start looking at independent news sources and to see uh, where that's coming from. And then they'll start to realize, wow, there was different variations of this story. Yeah. You know? and that really ties in that whole concept also of the aggregor. Yes. If you have no idea the systems of control, you know, I see that people mostly react. They'll, yes. they'll come across a, a certain current of energy or thinking or control and they just react against it rather than diving into it and actually looking at it. Exactly. Face on and saying, oh, what is this? What is this? What's going on here? Uh -huh. And instead they just rebut it or they run from it and they never really look into it. And like you said, follow the source of it. Right. And why is it there? What is it controlling? Rather than just jumping into another box or sticking their head in the sand. Yeah, that's a good example. Most people are just are pretty, most people are just completely manipulated by their emotions. And so all their reactions to news or reaction to stories are strictly based on anger, fear, sadness. Um, they're not able just to put the emotions aside and just read the information or listen to the information, think about it, and then make a decision. 
like you said, you nailed it. It's very reactionary. Yeah, and I think that's really important where things like Ayurveda and yoga come in to really balance that mind. And I, I completely agree. Rajasic, masic, reactionary um, system and to really be able to say, okay, objectively, what does all of this mean? Objectively, how does this influence me? Mm-hmm. And not have that knee-jerk reaction to everything. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Ayurveda should teach you how to truly understand what it is you're craving physically and mentally. And yoga should start to teach you discrimination so that you can develop some kind of idea to examine ideas and not just instantly react to them, but to be able, and essentially we're talking about if, that we're improving our digestion, our Agni, our ability to digest things, to take them in, to separate the parts, think about them logically, think, and then, and then make a decision without just being puppets by our emotions. So. Agni. Yeah. It's all, it all usually comes down to Agni. Absolutely. Mental, spiritual, everything. I remember one time we had a discussion and you brought up the concept of spiritual Agni and I was like, "Mm." yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, the Atma Agni, the, the Agni that is our ultimate one, which just kind of is both protective, but also the ultimate dispeller of avidya or ignorance. And if, if we have that light, then we can see through anything. We were able to see through all manipulation, all illusion. And then we turn Maya into yoga. Maya becomes a beautiful, the Leela of life um, instead of uh, an empty existentialistic wasteland. Beautifully said. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us again today. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make this uh, discussion podcast available on all the different forums. It's on them and I'll post it on YouTube. I'll put it in the, my health, your vibrations blog. Nice. Wonderful. A link where you can do that. And um, like I said, if you didn't listen to the last podcast where Craig was talking about Gnosticism and Ayurveda, I definitely recommend you look into that and um, stay tuned for lots of new classes and certifications, webinars, etc. And I'll also be posting a link where people can access your webpage, um, Austin Ayurveda. Yep, perfect. I appreciate it. It's been a joy to talk again. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. I'll talk soon.